Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hanks out so quick that the essence still feels like it has work to do on here. Would you stop rambling? I think I'm... You came here to pitch me a story. <laughs> That's exactly what I... From ITN, Neatfield's finest, Pope. So turn the telly off, roll back the carpet, and see in the new year with the White Room. New Year's Eve, 11.15, Channel 4. This is Channel 4. My podcast chums, and welcome to the Under Consultation Christmas Special 2022. I am one of your hosts, Luke Owen, a man with innovative ideas, so you don't have to buy crap this holiday season. And dressing up in an adult diaper and dancing to the Smurfs cover of Last Christmas in, well, not English, possibly French. I am Ash Versus. Bonsoir, joystick wagglers! Bonsoir, I, I was going to do the whole thing in a French accent and I decided against it. This episode aired on the 29th of December 1995. FIFA 96 tops the console charts, Michael Jackson's Earth Song is top of the pops, and Babe is top of the UK box office, as you will have heard when we covered Series 5. I think doing a comedy French accent for this would be at least partially acceptable because Antoine himself does a comedy French accent. But he is also French. But that's not his natural accent. I do a lot of comedy French accents because one of our key editors at work is French and we do impressions of her on the podcast when she is on the podcast with us. In that scenario is fine. I'm doing that with Terry. And Terry knows how much I love to do a French accent that sounds just like her. But I don't think it's appropriate for me to do it on a podcast where there are no French people between us. I've only vaguely heard <laughs> Terry speak. I don't know how to break it to you, mate, but that sounds nothing like Terry. No, no, it sounds exactly like Terry. It's, it's, it's pitch perfect. <laughs> oh, man. This is, I'll be honest, I'll hold up my hands. This was a bit of a last minute decision to do it. We had a couple of ideas for a Christmas special and then I was just going through the Euro Trash box set because we've always wanted to 
do one. You know, we wanted to cover one for a while. And I noticed the last episode of Series 5 was a Christmas and New Year's special. And I just thought, oh, how perfect. We had it sort of in our back pocket. And we were then trying to decide what to do for the Christmas special this year. Because the past two Christmases, we've just gone through the Argos Big Book of Dreams uh, and sort of picked out some items. But we felt like last year's was a bit similar to the year before. So we were trying to think of maybe doing something a bit different. And so then I just said to you on an old record that we were doing, just like, why don't we just do the Eurotrash episode as the Christmas special that goes out because we've got a different Christmas special going out for UCP Extra over on our Patreon page. This way, we get to do both of those things and we don't have to wait a full year to talk about Eurotrash. So we're doing this here. We're not going to go like in-depth in the history like we would do on a, uh, a UCP, mostly because we want to do this as a full UCP Extra episode. Take another episode from Eurotrash at some point, maybe in the next year. We'll do a full deep dive into the history of the show there. Because there is a lot about the show that is not coherently documented. There's a lot of shows we look at, and in addition to in-depth Wikipedia pages, those Wikipedia pages will lead you to interviews, they will lead you to retrospectives, they will lead you to books. Eurotrash is much more piecemeal. I mean, researching this episode was interesting. And in fact, on some of the people we're going to talk about, my notes will literally be, they're still alive, exclamation mark, question mark, shock. And so when we do get to do that full UCP extra, I want to be able to say more than just that. I want to be able to go into it in depth. Mild spoiler for something of the episode ahead, by the next time we cover Eurotrash, I want to find out what the fuck happened to the Romeo cleaners. (laughs) (laughs) Because they are a common occurrence on Eurotrash, as far as I can tell, because if you search for the Romeo cleaners, all that comes up are Eurotrash-related things. There's like an NME article about Eurotrash. There's the Eurotrash Wikipedia page, and then various clips from Eurotrash of the Romeo cleaners appearing on the show. Mate, I was just skipping through the booklet that came with the DVDs, and I saw their names coming up at least as far as Series 12, if not beyond there. This is Series 5, right? Yeah, this is the last episode of Series 5 slash Christmas New Year special. Because this show goes on for quite some time. It's like the mid-2000s, I think, by the time Eurotrash actually goes off the air. It's funny because, you know, it's considered to be this very 90s show, but it goes well into the mid-2000s. And then even came back for 2016 for the uh, the EU referendum to do a little special around that. Which, you know, it's a very Channel 4 thing to do to bring back Eurotrash for the, uh, the EU referendum. Antoine does believe that their special may actually be responsible for the way the Brexit <laughs> vote went. Of course he does. But this is kind of in the peak period for me of Eurotrash when it was still Antoine and Jean-Paul with Pipi and Popo and the occasional guest presenters. Because past 1997, Jean-Paul for the most part was absent. He left as a regular presenter. He did reappear a couple of times. But this to me, whenever I think of Eurotrash and whenever anyone genuinely thinks of Eurotrash, they think of the odd couple pairing of Antoine and Jean-Paul. See, for me, it's actually the other way around. Because really? Of, or because of my age, I don't get into Eurotrash until a few years from now. I was sort of like... 13, 14 maybe when I actually got around to watching Eurotrash because at this point in time, I'm nine years old. So actually, well, no, sorry, I've been 10 years old. So by the time I get into the show, Jean-Paul's gone. So for me, Antoine de Con's like the only presenter of the show. Like mine's more of a Antoine Lolo Ferrari era of Eurotrash. Oh, Lolo Ferrari, who is, again, she's a personality we'll talk about more in the future. Maybe we will cover an episode featuring Lolo. 
was a big part of the Eurotrash family, was much missed when she passed away. And in fact, the tribute they did to her is one of the few rare moments of the show that was played completely straight. No comedy voiceover. They did it as a mark of respect. It's something that Antoine says in a lot of the interviews he's done about Eurotrash as it keeps coming up. And I think this was an interview done not long after the uh, the Brexit referendum special is the fact that Eurotrash, whilst this collection of oddities and misfit toys, was a family. It was a real, real tight knit group of people, a lot of whom are still in touch today. And moments like that really, really show it through. It's like, yeah, we're here to have a bit of a laugh at like boobs and willies and stuff, but we lost one of our own. And yeah. that's, that's a sad note. But we're not here to be sad. We're here to have a party, Luke. It's Christmas time uh, here on Under Consultation. So yeah, we're going to be looking at the, the Christmas special from 1995 of Eurotrash, uh, segment by segment. Odd episode that it is with some very, very weird little bits and bobs throughout <laughs> there. It's key to know, I think, when talking about this show, and I, this is the thing that I think was surprises most people when learning about Eurotrash, is this show actually had a decent budget, because it doesn't look like it has a decent budget, and that's because it's made to look cack on purpose. And that is kind of the beauty of Eurotrash right there in its, in its simplest form, is that it is a big budget, almost like half a million per episode, but they made it look like it was done for 20 quid and a packet of peanuts. It actually says a lot of how cheap it was made to look. And yet, watching the DVDs now, whilst it's still standard definition, it gives it this real timeless quality, actually. Just, just the way they did the kind of the cardboard cutouts and the flat sets and the weird giraffe puppets and stuff like that. You could start making Eurotrash again now. God knows. I wish they would. And they could do it. I'll tell you what, you want to talk about Digital First Channel 4? Get in touch <laughs> with Rapido, get Eurotrash back, but maybe just on 4 on demand. You can't do it properly on YouTube. They could make it in exactly the same style now in 16.9, full 1080p, and it would look just grand. And they'd probably be able to use all of the same stuff that they had from the original series. I'm sure that PP and Popo have survived the test of time. They, they retired to a farm, mate. Oh, they were well, tied to know. a farm where they canter free. Well, you can go get them out of retirement then. So rather than dive into the history behind this show, however, Ash found a scan of, I say found, paid for, a scan uh, of the mirror from this day, the 29th of December, 1995. So we can look at the TV guide from December 29th, 1995. We do a lot of research. Like we do probably too much research. More research than is entirely necessary. We could just sit here and make knob gags for an hour, but no, that is not who we are as people. You wrote a fucking book. I've probably written enough to write three books at this point. And it was only recently I was just like, I should look at the British newspaper archive. And then I messaged you earlier today going, shall we use a bit of the under consultation funds to take advantage of this Black Friday offer? Because holy oh, shit. It suddenly opens up so much stuff. We have in the past scrabbled for TV news or listings or whatever. It's all there. Exactly. It's all there. And we've decided to wait until we've only got 10 episodes left of the show before we decide to dive into this. We are nothing if not consistent. Because <laughs> like the 29th of December, we're not the peak Christmas season. We've had our Christmas Eve. We've had big old Christmas Day. We've had Boxing Day. Where we find ourselves on December 29th is that unfortunate countdown until the school year starts again. So you might be quite quick to dismiss TV from this period of time because they'll put all the big movies and that on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and Boxing Day. But there are some pretty banging little additions to our four channel lineup 
here on the 29th. Oh, I'm, I looked at this earlier. I sent this listing to you very excited and I'm looking at it again. Let's start BBC One. The mornings, so far so standard. Joe 90, nice to see there for the kids. Ninja Turtles, kind of at the tail end, I guess, of, of their run here in the UK. Yeah, I mean, it crucially is there. Hero Turtles on these British shores. But yeah, that would have been really like 95. That's a proper downturn in popularity. You remember back when we were covering 1992 of Games Master and they were making fun of how uncool they were. Three years was not going to help that. Tricks. 10.30 a.m. we get our first film. We get The Four Musketeers starring Oliver Reed. Ah, wrong. You know, it strikes me we would be better employed wringing milady's pretty neck than shooting these poor devils of Protestants. I mean, what are we killing them for? Because they sing psalms in French and we sing them in Latin? Oh, boss, how do you know education? What do you think religious wars are all about? Beatrix Potter, so standard. Neighbours. 110, so standard. The Borrowers, the BBC adaptation of The Borrowers. I'd briefly forgot that existed, but that was a cracking little show. I would have probably been watching that as well because I really enjoyed the books um, around this period of time. Supergirl, standard kind of holiday time, daytime film fair. Best of Blue Peter, Neighbours, of course it is, it's 535 Mate, with all the neighbours going to Amazon Prime soon, we could do a Neighbours episode. <laughs> and then 6.30pm on BBC One. Oh, it's the world's strongest man. That's a proper December 29th little lineup there. And it's on for an hour. The world's strongest man. Ten toughies take part in the final of the Great Grunt and Groan Contest in the Bahamas. Oof, you don't want to be doing that sort of thing in the Bahamas. It's too hot in the Bahamas to be doing world's strongman stuff. Challenges include a 34-ton fire engine pool and a head-to-head -head naval tug of war. I would love to track down that episode of World's Strongest Man. <laughs> That's the problem is I'm looking at so many of these things and going, please, someone have this on VHS. Yeah, there's probably YouTube rips of it somewhere. Skip forward, we've got John Craven, Animal Sanctuary, that show business movie special, Question of Sport. 9.30pm, once the kids are in bed and the parents are home for the weekend, got a little bit sexy stuff going on. You've got Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg and Demi Moore in Ghost. <laughs> they told me what it was like. They told me all about it. But now that I got it, I, I don't think I want it. So do me a favor. Just go away. Find somebody else. Somebody else? You're out of your mind. Yeah, I'm getting there fast. Well, I think she hit her head harder than we think. She was talking to nobody that wasn't there before she even hit her head. Well, I know she is, but you know, sister can do All that. right, this is the sort of thing that once, you know, me and our Ben would have been put to bed. Friday evening, snuggle down and watch a little bit of Ghost. Chip supper, half a bottle of wine. They'll yeah, be asleep absolutely. before the clay's even wet. <laughs> Films of the year with Barry Norman. And weirdly ending the broadcast with Little Big Man starring Dustin Hoffman. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't think I have either. The thing that when I was looking at this uh, that I loved so much was looking at the cartoons and stuff. So it was, you know, on BBC One, we talked about Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles and this, that and the other. But it's like over on ITV, that's where I sort of found myself really going to. Because at six o'clock when you wake up with GMTV, you've got The New Adventures of He-Man and at 9.50... Batman the Animated Series. This is proper mid-90s stuff there because you've got the brand new, pretty much at this point, of Batman and the old book that's trying to be rebranded in the new adventures of He-Man. My name is Adam of Grayskull. When good is threatened by the power of Eternia,
future by the last of mankind to defend them in their hour of need. And it is a bobbins. I mean, they basically, they gave He-Man a ponytail. And I say this as someone with long hair. He-Man was not the reason I grew my hair long, put it that way. Because he looked like a... Yeah, they rebadged it, you fool, and it did not work. Interestingly, on ITV, running opposite the Four Musketeers is the man in the iron mask. Well, particularly, you could actually do a double bill of this because you could go at half ten, the Four Musketeers on BBC One, then flick on over at half past one to ITV for the return of the Musketeers. I did look well in a coronet and fur robe, don't I, Raoul? Baron Portis. Ah, well. About as likely as Captain D'Artagnan. What is that stuff, now? It's a new China drink. It's an infusion of Bohelis, known as tea. Try some? There's no alcohol in it. ITV's fairly standard afternoon film, a little less kid-friendly than Supergirl per se, Straight Talk with Dolly Parton. Not a bad film, Dolly Parton, lovely person, passable actor, Home and Away special called Sophie's Baby. I'm assuming that's nothing like Rosemary's Baby. Probably not. Could be, though. Uh, Family Fortunes with Les Dennis. Coronation Street. Of course, there's Coronation Street running directly opposite Animal Sanctuary with John Craven. The Bill at 8 o'clock. Love a bit of The Bill. Faith in the Future on at half past 8. It's got Press Gang's Julia Sohali in it. Julia Sawala and Bisto Mum Linda Bellingham. That's exactly it, yeah. So, you know, we've done Press Gang in UCP Extra in the past because of Dexter. So... Nice to give her a little shout-out. And then at 9 o'clock on ITV, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. I think the main question that people have is, Creature, what is it that you want? Fred, what we want is, I think, what everyone wants and what you and your viewers have, civilization. Yes, but uh, what sort of civilization are you speaking of, Creature? The niceties, Fred, the fine points. Diplomacy, compassion... Standards, manners, tradition. That's what we're reaching toward. Oh, we may stumble along the way, but civilization, yes. The Geneva Convention, chamber music, Susan Sontag. Everything your society has worked so hard to accomplish over the centuries, that's what we aspire to. We want to be civilized. I mean, you take a look at this trail here. Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Now, whilst I know I would have been watching Eurotrash at 11.05, I bet you I had one VHS tape and it had Gremlins 2, the new batch, and then stop, start on Channel 4, there was Eurotrash. I reckon this is probably how I saw Gremlins 2, the new batch. Like, maybe not in December of 1995, However, my cousin, Danny, and his older brother, Chris, they recorded Gremlins 2 off the telly. And I would wager it was probably this airing that they recorded because it's not long after this that I see Gremlins 2 for the first time. ITV then, after Gremlins 2, it's just balls-to-the-wall films until 6am the next morning. And it is just, to be blunt, any old... Testicles. 11.20, Men Don't Leave. It's got Chris O'Donnell in it. I couldn't even be asked to look it up. Black Sunday starring Robert Shaw, terrorist drama, and then 450 blockbusters. Sadly, nothing to do with Games Master alumni Bob Holness. ITV's late night airings of any album is how I saw Mystery Science Theatre 3000 the movie. Because it's just, it's 1am and they're like, well, what can we put on here? Let's just throw that on. That is how it was my first exposure to that film. But I think I've raised this before. That's how I first saw Quatermass and the Pit. That's right, yes. I mean, a lot of films. And sometimes it would be a case of if I didn't have something else to record, 
I just press record at nine o'clock for whatever the nine o'clock film was, and I just let the tape run out. And because I was conditioned at the time to use long play, I would sometimes get two or three extra films in there, or extra TV shows, or episodes of Sledgehammer, or WCW Worldwide. All of that gubbins would be in there. And oh, I just noticed four o'clock though, the chart show. That's good. Yeah, 4 a.m. Make sure you know what is number one. Maybe you'll get to see the video for Michael Jackson's Earth Song. It is our Christmas number one after all. Oh, Christ, I hope not. But I guess the, the channels that are more interesting to me now and probably were starting to become more interesting to me then, in part because of Games Master and in part because of Eurotrash, it was BBC Two and Channel Four. Those, I think, are the channels that really do personify the 1990s in in terms of British TV. BBC and ITV had their moments, they had their hits, but I really feel like the interesting shows that kind of define the generation of the 90s were to be found on BBC Two and on Channel 4. BBC Two is actually pretty pedestrian up until the evening. The making of My Fair Lady, that's an an interesting choice, a, a documentary, I guess. The Sound of Music, well... It is that period between Christmas and the New Year. Now the BBC 100 season continues with a classic from Rodgers and Hammerstein. Julie Andrews, Christopher Plummer and the Hills of Austria star in The Sound of Music. Look at that as well. It's on from quarter past five until eight o'clock. (laughs) for ages. University Challenge with Jeremy Paxman. It's so weird that we're seeing this in 1990. Five and the f- they're only just gone. Yeah, I know. But then nine p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Christmas Shooting Stars with your festive hosts Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. And it is the classic Shooting Stars with fifties throwback Mark Lamar and He's a nineteen fifties bin man. <laughs> And Ulrich, kaka, kaka, kaka. And, of course, George Dawes, who we have mixed feelings about on this show, or rather Matt Lucas. Yeah, mixed feelings on Matt. He's not my favourite person on Bake Off. It, it's actually, it's kind of sad that we get to talk about this now as well, because it just came in the news the other day that Vic and Bob have officially broken up as a comedy double act. Which, in a way, it makes sense, because they can't really do their style of comedy anymore. They're very energetic style of comedy, not with Bob's heart. And I think Vic is just happy to do his little paintings and sell his little his little cartoon books. I think that's entirely fair of them to do that. I mean, Vic is his own artist in his own right. He's doing his own thing. Bob... He had his health scare, his massive health scare. And in the aftermath of that, not only is he living healthier, but he's got his partnership going with Paul Whitehouse in Mortimer and Whitehouse Gone Fishing, which is absolutely lovely, especially because there are those two great bastions of 90s comedy. And both men who were in a lot of ways, I guess, sidekicks. Paul to Harry Enfield and Bob to Vic. They were a double act, but it was always Vic and Bob. And it was always Harry and Paul when they were together. So it's nice that they've come together now and they have this really beautiful laid-back series that is quite silly, quite funny. It's lovely. It's lovely. If that is how Bob spends the rest of his showbiz days doing kind of like calm, slightly funny fishing shows, I'm fine with it. 
I think it's fine that they've broken up. I would rather they did that. I'd rather they put a definitive line under it rather than just left it of people going, oh, when are you coming back? Exactly. It's much better to do it this way. Let it lie. Uh, well, speaking of letting things lie, he's not going to let this one go. 940, knowing me, knowing Yule uh-huh. with Alan Partridge. Christmas, I imagine a very busy time for bell ringers. Yeah, it is. It's very busy, but it's lovely for us to be able to celebrate through bell ringing the birth of Jesus Christ, our saviour. Fair enough. Um, It's it's nice to have you on the show. Thank you. It's nice to... Sorry. No, carry on, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's nice to be on a television show that's not all about, you know, swearing and child pornography. (laughs) Have you seen Noel's house party? Yes. That's the kind of show this is. Keep it light. Right. Have you you had a mince pie? No. Have a mince pie. This was one that I I got on DVD because I was got all the Alan Partridge stuff and Knowing Me, Knowing You, that collection comes with Knowing Me, Knowing You. Very, very good Christmas special. I've not seen it in a long time. I have a weird relationship with Alan Partridge. There are times I find him absolutely hilarious. There are other times that it just it makes my blood run cold. And it's not even specific episodes. It's literally the mindset I'm in on that day. It's the same with that kind of comedy where it's not quite cringe comedy, but it's that kind of awkward It's awkward, comedy. uncomfortable comedy. It's designed to make your skin crawl and, and things like that. I mean, for, for me, the two series of Iron Man and Partridge are amongst the most perfect two seasons of comedy that, that Britain has ever produced. I, I think they're so, so great. I, I like Iron Man and Partridge more than I like Knowing Me, Knowing You, and certainly more than some of the stuff that's come after it, although I did love this time. Yeah. Something I wish I'd watched is after The Player, starring Tim Robbins, you've got Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse, a look into the making of Apocalypse Now. Such a good documentary. It is. I wish I would have recorded that at the time. There's no way I would have because there were other things on. I mean, like, put it this way, my VCR flipped over to Channel 4 at 11 o'clock and it would have been there probably until the tape ran out. But Heart of Darkness, amazing documentary. So moving on over to Channel 4, speaking of which, because that's where we're going to find ourselves this evening. We kick things off with some great animated adventures. We've got Ulysses 31. And then after the big breakfast, some great Americana with Saved by the Bell, the new class, Babylon 5, California Dreams, the Biker Mice from Mars, and the Super Mario Brothers, then Dennis, Sesame Street, and Silent Love. Like, you're just there all morning from 10 o'clock, pretty much until... 10, 10 to 2. Probably I would have left just after, like, maybe around Dennis, maybe just before Dennis, because I certainly would have watched Biker Mice from Mars and Super Mario Brothers. I said this to you before we started recording. Babylon 5 really feels like the odd one out. Not even for being there, but just being in that position. I would have put Babylon 5 after Silent Love before the film The Princess and the Pirate. Putting it between Saved by the Bell and California Dreams. It's like, well, here's some clean-cut teenagers, and here's some more clean-cut teenagers. Meanwhile, Civil War. Well, it's spaced quite happily toward us. Babylon 5's a big part of... Boop, boop. F- you. <laughs> wake up. Wake up, Master. You girls come in here every morning? Yes, Master, every morning. Ring the bell once for Suzanne, twice for Nanette, and uh, three times for Yvonne. Well, when I ring that, all of you come. Never mind for whom the bell tolls. We then have the Princess and the Pirate, Buccaneering Bob Hope comedy, The Xmas Files. But then, Ash, what have we got here at 20 to 4, considering what has been on ITV and BBC One today? You know, you're quite a fellow. Your first day in Paris and two duels. Three. I have another one an hour later. Oh, no. Are these your seconds? 
Athos, this isn't the man you fight. Why not? But I fight him in an hour. And I, at two. You, at two? What a complete madman. You know, I'm forming a positive affection for you. You can afford an affection. You get him before he's a corpse. Well, who are you to complain? Complain? If now, just a minute. Who found him first? Why do you mean gentlemen? Gentlemen, your quarrels are with me, not with each other. What the hell is going <laughs> Is this a joke? Is this a wind-up? Did all the film schedulers at the various TV stations go, oh, crap. Tell you what, what if we get this three-for-one on Musketeers movies and we just split it three ways and then we pocket the difference? It is so bizarre. I mean, if you like Musketeers... Oh, you're in for a great day. We're one Muskerhound away from having the complete set. That's all that BBC Two was missing, was being able to show some of the muskhounds. It must have been some in-joke amongst all the schedulers, calling each other up being like, have you got a Musketeers movie? Should we put them all on the same day? And you could actually schedule them to watch them one after the other. Genuinely, if you like your buckle swashed, you're in for a great time. We dial things back at six o'clock with Blossom. Love Blossom. Love, love, love Blossom. And then Happy Days. See, this is the schedulers dicking about because Blossom followed by Happy Days should have gone between Saved by the Bell and California Dreams. And then 6pm should have been Babylon 5. 6pm was where Babylon 5 belonged. That's absolutely right. I I would agree with you, even if it is a big pile of shit. Leave it. (laughs) The News, 7.30, The Wonderful World of Dogs. I wonder if the Jingle Dogs will feature on that. Oh, one can hope, but dogs, dog programming, always happy to see it. An hour of dogs. 8.30, Brookside. 9 o'clock, dressing for breakfast. No idea. 9.30, Rory Bremner in apparently a show with seasonal songs. He's just a poor boy. He needs your sympathy. Sitting here all alone. First in line to the throne. Anyway, the winds are only thing that matters to me. To me. I, I don't mind a bit of Bremner. Uh, I was more Bremner, Bird and Fortune, uh, mm. the three of them together. But uh, I, I saw Bremner recently because he was on uh, Great British Menu because I was re-watching it. And my, my wife is, is not a Rory Bremner fan, but he is quite a good impressionist. 10.30, The Strip Show. No, not that sort. This claims to be Britain's first all-cartoon comedy sketch show. I've got very vague memories of the strip show, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. Same. Then 11 o'clock, the main event for today. It's Eurotrash, but we'll skip back to that in a second. 11.35, Crapston Villas. Crapston Villas, the beautiful soap full of love, glamour and power. Uh, meet lovebirds Larry and Robbie, who are securing their complete adoration for each other. Although he looks like he fancies a Sandman and all. <laughs> then there's the Dream Family, the Stensons. That's me there, and my sister Sam. She's stupid. Oh, that hurt, that is. That's my mum. And then uh, downstairs, there's Jonathan. He's weird. And Sophie and the Flossie and a big cat called Fatso. Yeah. Uh, it's Crapston Villas. It's on every Friday night, 11.15 on Channel 4. I was only reminded of Crapston Villas recently because when I find all the adverts uh, and the Channel 4 promos to put into the main timeline edits, there was so many little idents and promos for Crapston Villas. I'd completely forgotten about it. And now it's it's kind of embedded in me because there were loads of promos for it on Channel 4. It was from the Spitting Image guys, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It was kind of their... I mean, because Spitting Image was pretty much done by this point. By this point, yeah, I would have thought so. Because it was like, it really died before the Blair era. Thankfully, this is one we could check out if we wanted to, as apparently all 20 episodes are available to watch on 4 On Demand. Are they really? 
Yeah. But then a film I would have definitely been recording, The Return of Dracula. It, even the listing says it's a low-budget horror movie. It is. And then we get the Apollo Theatre Hall of Fame, but at 410, The World of Hammer, which would be more Hammer horror stuff. Kind of yeah. wish they'd put that a little bit earlier, just backed it onto the horror. But sadly, I think my videotape would have run out by that point. So shall we get into our main event for tonight, which is our Your Trash Christmas special. <laughs> Other than Games Master, I struggle to think of a more iconic piece of 90s theme music than Eurotrash. You know exactly what you're getting with this piece of music. You can just hear a snippet of it, and if you were around for any of that original run, you know it's Eurotrash. I think most people actually will remember this as well. Like, I think it is a theme song that is iconic and as memorable as some of those, like, really classic 80s 90s game shows things like you know people will be as like oh you can do the theme tune to blockbusters or catchphrase or something along those lines euro trash if you were around at the time is as memorable as those are if you're listening to this and you haven't watched an episode of euro trash in a while you will be hearing the theme song in your head as we talk about it and if you want to have that for yourself, it wasn't a piece of music created just for Eurotrash. Oh no, it was a Bridget Bardot song called Saint-Tropez. Hmm. You skip the first 20, 30 seconds and then it goes into the piece of music that we all know and love. But that's not the only music we're going to get for this episode because we get past the title sequence and we've got Jean-Paul and Antoine. They're there in blue bodysuits adult diapers and smurf hats. Bonsoir, my British chums, and welcome to a Eurotrash Happy Holiday Special. We call it the Happy Holiday Special because it is the holidays and we are happy. Yes, that's right, Jean-Paul. We certainly are happy. Luke, why are they wearing smurf hats? It's the Happy Holiday Special because it's the holidays and they're happy. And they're showing this off by dancing with the Smurfs while they sing their cover of Last Christmas, which would appear then on their 1996 Christmas album release, the Smurfs Christmas album. I knew we'd sink to levels of depravity in this special. I didn't think it would start with the f***ing Smurfs. Well, it's funny as well because I was I, I found myself in a bit of a Smurf hole uh, while looking up the, uh, the Smurfs <laughs> Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> The, the 1996 release of the Smurfs Christmas album is the one where the, the cover of Last Christmas appears. But of course, that would be the UK release. And being that they are from the land of chocolate in Belgium, the European markets probably would have had it in 1995. Whereas we here in the UK in 1995 would have had to put up with Merry Christmas with the Smurfs, which did not have this cover of Last Christmas on instead. They did things like Little Drummer Boy and the 12 Days of Christmas, that sort of thing. Jingle Bells was on there, or Bells Jingle, as it was called in the credits. I find it so weird to see the Smurfs on Eurotrash because the Smurfs, wholesome, sickeningly wholesome children's entertainment. Jean-Paul and Antoine, the late-night lords of the lecherous, in their blue body stockings, their adult diapers, and their Smurf hats. I can't believe that this is a kind of authorised appearance by the Smurfs. I can't believe that Smurf HQ went, yeah, sure, 
put them on Euro Trash. That'll sell albums. They're European. They'll probably love it. <laughs> Other great tracks from that album, of course, include Christmas with Smurfs, Smurfing Around the Christmas Tree, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Winter Wonderland, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day, I Saw Mummy Kissing Santa Claus, Merry Christmas, All I Want for Christmas is a Smurf Hat, Wonderful Christmas Tree, Merry Christmas Everyone, White Christmas, Last Christmas, On This Smurfery Day, Smurfs in the Snow, Smurfing at Christmas, Your Christmas Wish, and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Not enough Smurfing in there for my liking. While we're recording this, I might just message Dave Ballmer of Sonic the Comic the Podcast because I bet you he bought this album and I wonder if he's got any thoughts on it. We'll check back with our Dizzy and Smurf correspondent as the record goes on. There was something you mentioned to me when we were discussing this before recording and it, it was only after you mentioned it I'd noticed how prevalent it was, which is the amount of this episode that Antoine just spends smiling at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favourite thing from re-watching this episode is they'll occasionally just talk about, you know, something awkward or whatever and it would just cut to Antoine doing this big smile at the camera and it's the funniest thing. But this is a special episode because it's the one where they take all the stories they've rejected over the past year of Eurotrash and dump them on our turkey-bloated selves. <laughs> Only kidding, it's a bulging sack of clips to help us ring in the new year and Antoine shows us his dingaling. It's a purely wonderful Eurotrash opening, you know, just from the start of the Smurfs dancing and singing in their native tongue and then Antoine and Jean-Paul dancing like absolute idiots on stage and Antoine proper goes for it with this dancing as well he is one of my heroes of this show he's so funny we've often talked with games master about when stuff feels like it might be mean-spirited or when it might not one thing euro trash was never really was mean-spirited it was tongue-in-cheek sometimes literally but it was always good-natured and willing to poke fun at itself even if the entire kind of premise of the show was look at these f***ing insane European things going on. It's delightful. Look how weird and wonderful Europe is. Don't you yeah. wish you could be part of Europe? It, in a way, it is a little bit. It's just like, isn't Europe just much better than England where you're all stuffy and you're just sort of sat at home watching shows like this, whereas Europe is this much more free uh, place to be? And you're right, like it was a show that had its tongue placed firmly between its cheeks or it was putting its tongue between someone else's cheeks and showing you this just wonderful other life of Europe. And if anything, like it's a show that really creates this idea that this is all Europe is but it is just sort of finding more of those niche areas of europe apart from like you know when we get to the the crappers later on that is just spain and france and bits of northern italy like that is legit just this is tradition here poop is funny basically but we are then introduced to someone who is as iconic with Eurotrash as Jean-Paul, as Antoine, as Lolo, as Pipi and Popo. It is the voice of Eurotrash, Maria McCurlane, who narrated pretty much the entire thing. And she will be our guide through this episode. So, Maria, what's coming up? Tonight on Eurotrash, we find out why this Spaniard's having a plot. We find out why this Italian is brushing her breasts. Plus, we sample a group grope French style. But first, here's the latest in German furniture. German furniture, Luke. <laughs> it's not just IKEA that have the uh, have the uh, market cornered on European furniture. Well, exactly. Yeah. While the Swedes have uh, perfected the flat pack furniture system, Austria, however, has perfected the spinning table. 
It's a fucking lazy Susan with a hole cut in it. <laughs> and some questionable shag carpeting. Emphasis on the word shag. Thankfully, it's also machine washable. And my first note was, I really hope these covers are machine washable. And then he gets to it later and he's like, oh, they are machine washable. We are in Spittle William, Austria. And we meet one Mr. Kogler, who lives in the aforementioned Alpine village, where he invents lots of different things, including house-mounted swings, which genuinely look like fun. Like, that thing interested me more than the spit roast table, or whatever you want to call it. With this device I've invented, I've finally made it possible for you to spin your partner through 360 degrees during lovemaking. You don't have to use it for sex straight away. You can use it as a living room table and put your flowers on it. It's very versatile. If you feel a bit randy, you can just clear the cups and saucers. I call it the love merry-go-round. And that's probably brings us to, we'll talk about it now, the other iconic elements of Eurotrash, which is people doing the voiceovers and doing very thick regional accents to provide the voices for our European compatriots. And that's very good here, where you've got a very thick uh, northern Yorkshire accent talking about how, like, you don't have to just use it for sex straight away. You can use it for tea. Put flowers on it. But then when you throw the flowers off and you get down to it. He is selling this table as being very versatile. So you have essentially a piece of wood that sits on top of it so it looks mostly like a normal coffee table. And then after you've had more tea vicar, you can have more tea vicar remove the cups and saucers, remove the wooden plank, and it becomes the love merry-go-round. As long as you're between 7 and 14 stone. Yeah, he does say any size of woman, and I'm just like, that's a very narrow definition of any mate. One, you should make the furniture more sturdy. Two, I don't know, you should offer it as a bespoke service. You should measure the buttocks of the person buying it. It can be a bespoke kind of throne, if you will. I mentioned earlier that research on this was fun. I don't know if this man is still making furniture, but there appears to still be a Dieter Kogler living in Spittal. So he's still alive and he's still out there. And I hope, I cross my fingers, that he's still inventing really weird stuff. He's in his 60s now, but I just hope he's still out there and still rocking on or swinging or spinning spinning <laughs> female customers get very excited about the table because it means the man can cover all corners so to speak now for the man the beauty of the table is you get lots of positions you can see your partner from behind or facing you you get thrusting motion added to the twisting motion you can thrust and then spin her around in fairness to him he does come up with a fairly logical reason as to to why he has invented this outside of like you need to come up with innovative ideas otherwise you end up buying crap which is that for women it gets into all corners as he puts it and for men you can see your woman from all angles it creates a very intimate dynamic really we even get to see this thing in use in a very very borderline pg-13 way yeah all angles you can combine twisting and thrusting thrust it twist it bop it pull it oh wait no that's a very different thing hey wanna play bop it it commands you obey bop it twist it 
happen. If you can't keep up with it, you lose. Once you get your hands on Buffett, you're not going to want to stop it. Fast-talking electronic Buffett. Batteries not included. Although, you know, it's similar in nature in that it seems like a good idea at the time, but sooner or later, you just get annoyed with it. But as we hoped, it does have a series of washable covers. And yeah, he says, to make money nowadays, you need brilliant, innovative ideas. After all, who wants to buy crap? Who indeed, Luke? Yes, well, speaking of crap... Speaking of crap, Eurotrash went off to Barcelona to explore the age-old tradition of the crapper, a feature of every Catalan nativity scene. The festive dumper comes in all shapes and sizes, but the latest fad is creating your own personalised pooper. This is one of those things now, like, I would expect to see this on um, Travel Man. Like, this is the sort of thing they would go to a uh, a Caganer shop, or it's a Caganer, probably, as it's pronounced, but they would go to do this to buy some of these, or at least, ex- you know, particularly now with Joe Lysett as the host. If he was to do a Christmas special in Barcelona or something around those areas, he would definitely go and look to buy a crapper or a, a cashner. That is how it's pronounced. I actually don't know. But this is legit. This is a tradition. It has a Wikipedia page and everything. The exact origin of the cashner is unknown, but the tradition has existed since at least the 18th century, according to Wikipedia. And according to the society Amix de la Cajna, Friends of the Cajna, it is believed to have entered the nativity scene by the late 17th or early 18th century. So basically what this is, if you haven't seen the episode, little figures of people having a dump. Basically it's them squatting, dropping trow, and a little walnut whip of a turd and they show footage and there are it's like massive nativity scenes i mean i think a nativity scene has a little wooden hut with maybe half a dozen or you know whatever figures in and some kind of wooden sheep and stuff like that these nativity scenes are more like railway dioramas they're huge and then somewhere hidden away will be a man squatting or a woman squatting having a little bit of a tommy squeaker that will be it the thing that I love is that this is, one, a very long and story tradition, and two, it's the part of the Wikipedia page which says, the practice is tolerated by the Catholic Church. <laughs> I've just double-checked as well. I've watched a YouTube video on how to pronounce it. It is pronounced Cagane. So I apologize for all of my mispronunciations I've had of this, which were many. Again, these are really detailed things. I found this article that says, Traditionally, the Cagane is dressed as a Catalan peasant wearing a red cap common in the region. There's no implied pooping when it comes to the Cagane either. His backside is usually completely bare and the results of his defecating are left for the world to see. Unlike Yule Tri traditions such as the Yule Goat, Krampus or Santa Claus, the Cagane is generally included in nativity scenes along with Joseph, Mary, the baby Jesus, the three wise men and perhaps a couple of shepherds. Today, the Cagane can be found in a variety of guises outside of his tradition traditional peasant garb. Celebrities and politicians are often depicted as the Caganet, and those interested in purchasing a Donald Trump, Pope Francis, or Vladimir Putin Caganet are in luck. Despite the Caganet being relatively unknown in much of the United States and Europe, the figure is easily purchased online today. Now, we're heading to York just before Christmas, as we've been wanting to do a number of times, and they usually have a really, really good Christmas market, and there are a couple of really, really good Christmas shops that actually have decorations from all across Europe. I'm going to keep an eye out for a Cagane this year. <laughs> I got a Christmas pickle before. I'm going to keep an eye out for a Cagane. I also love the scandal of 2005 when Barcelona yes, City Council... <laughs> commissioned a nativity scene which did not include one and they were like well it's because public defecation and urination are illegal meaning that if we include it it's setting a bad example and many saw this as an attack on catalan traditions 
where one writer of a letter asserted a nativity scene without a Kagane is not a nativity scene. <laughs> we don't need baby Jesus. We need a man taking a shit. You can remove baby Jesus, but you cannot take away our shitting man. It's a, it's a wonderful segment. As I said, like this would definitely appear on Travel Man now, but... At this point in time, the only place you're ever going to find this, you're not going to see this on Wish You Were Here. You're only going to see this on Eurotrash. Oh, every year I'll give people a crapper, but this year I wanted to give them something special. <laughs> I'm a yachtsman, you see. I wanted to combine yachting and my favourite activity, my personalised crapper. I wanted to give my friends a statue of me having a dump in my yachting gear. But we join the Kagane industry at an exciting time, Luke, because you don't just need to get your traditional Kaganes now. You can get your own personalised pooper. And you've got to go to this guy, because this guy that they interview, he's the originator of this idea as well. There are a lot of people that have ripped him off, but he's okay. He's got some ideas up his up his sleeve there on how to improve the Kagane. Though it should be noted, he does not make the poops. You've got to go to a different specialist to make the, as the, the voiceover puts it, the plot plops. And we see the man getting his own personalised crapper. We don't know his name, but he's a yachtsman. So he goes to have a modelling session dressed in his full yachtsman's gear, where he drops trousers and takes a squat. Although, Luke, he doesn't actually poop. They provide a stunt poop for him. Thankfully so. Uh, although, you're in that position for so long that... He said that it gets a bit tense. I might pop one out. <laughs> but our yachtsman, he's overjoyed with the end result despite the arduous modelling session. He says it's just like him and the turd is perfect. Each August Rodin. <laughs> and as you mentioned, Joseph Enerjo Zamora, the master sculptor, he may have been ripped off with his personalised crapper idea, but he's got the next evolution round the corner. Now, a lot of people are copying my idea of personalising crappers. Ah, but my next plan is to do giant crappers by taking moulds from real bodies. It's the Transformers method. You've sold a lot of Transformers at one size. The next thing to do is make super-sized ones or really, really tiny ones. Or really tiny crappers that combine to make a super-sized crapper. Now, that's that's actually... Maybe that those are the innovations that he's talking about that are coming down the line. And finally, Eurotrash visited Italy's only sex shopping channel, broadcast from Lombardy and hosted by a transsexual called Maurizia Paradiso. But lastly, on this whirlwind tour for this segment, we're in Italy, where we get to visit their only sex shopping channel, hosted by one Maurizia Paradiso, who is assisted by a charming assortment of helpers on her weekly show. And a very randy piano player. She has a, a very uh, attentive pianist. He is a pervert, a very randy man. He doesn't work here for the money. We pay him much too little for that. He comes here because he derives sexual pleasure from it. He doesn't do it for the money because we don't pay him enough for that. He's here for the sexual... Proper pervert, this one. <laughs> the, the, the piano player is just stood there going, I just want to pay the rent. <laughs> I just want to pay my bills. He does not look into this. Maritia is a very interesting character. I mean, I'm assuming you read the Wikipedia page. Yeah, it's it's quite the Wikipedia page for her. Very, very difficult childhood, both uh, before, during and after transitioning. But as an adult, found her way into the world of entertainment, started appearing in films from 1986 
and then it was the erratic teleshopping, which is what we're seeing here, that really, really made her famous and the various programs that span off it. She also made debuts as a pornographic actress in a film called The Secret of Mauritia, and she became a spokesperson for a number of different brands and chains, teleshopping, and the Italian sex shop change Magic America. What a hell of a name for a sex shop chain. Things started to go a little bit downhill in the 2000s, more specifically... In 2013, she allegedly attempted to steal the proceeds from the first edition of a sex festival, claiming the right to take the money as artistic director of the festival. Basically, she tried to leg it from the festival with a bag of cash and was sent to jail and was reported for improper robbery by the organiser of the event. Then, unfortunately, uh, she announced later on in, in 2015 that she was ill with leukaemia. Uh, she is still with us to this day. But yeah, it was, it's been quite a roller coaster uh, for old Miss uh, Paradiso here because like, she, she did it all. She did various different TV shows. She's done web TV. She has done porn. She has done traditional films. She's released an album. She uh, wrote an autobiography uh, titled Transvestites Go to Heaven, which details a lot of that troubled upbringing that she went through. Really, really troubled, including at one point being told to go and shoot a, uh, a rival prostitute of her mother's. At the age of six, by the way. Sometimes, while researching stuff for this episode, I found nothing. And sometimes I found stuff like this, and I'm just like, man, this is a... I mean, this is a podcast mini-series in, on its own, just covering this woman's career. The ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, and just really bizarre things, like the fact that her diagnosis with leukaemia followed on from her feeling ill while recording the television show topless football only in europe could you get that show <laughs> they are better than us they definitely are but as you said she introduces her to a randy pianist and the channel that they all present on specializes in vibrators and videos including the example shown such as hard poles and juicy holes <laughs> i really felt like we were suddenly in that scene from clerks of randall delivering the video list as a quick update from Dave Ballmer from our busy correspondent, uh, he said, I'm afraid not, I did not have that one. Not after how bad Go Pop was. I just listened and it sounds very much the same. So I guess they gave the same bloke 50 quid and said hammer something together. Harsh words from our from our dizzy and now Smurf correspondent, Dave. <laughs> Mauricia is giving us her two gift suggestions for Christmas. What's the first? How about this then? What shall I call it? A coffee machine. No, it's really great. It's an electronic masturbating machine. It works on the same principle as a milking machine. So our first one is an electronic masturbating machine that basically operates like a milking machine. Uh, while the second of these great Christmas items to buy for your partner is the... Well, electronic liquor, essentially. This is my favourite Christmas toy, the all-over licking machine. It'll lick anything you want it to lick. You don't have to drive it home after it's licked you, and you don't have to marry it. And it costs less than the price of an enema of 40 quid. Now, you can place it against the nipple, like this. Here we go. Oh, my God. That's lovely. Hey, I bet the Queen's going to buy one for Princess Diana. Hey. So it's just like a little swirling thing that goes round. It rotates and it just rubs against your nipple. She demonstrates it and has a wonderful time with it. And it's great because you don't have to drive at home after it's done all of its licking. Also, great for stamps. Great, great for stamps. <laughs> and then, uh-oh, a Diana joke. Quickly move on. <laughs> but finally, a charming chorus of jingle bells. <laughs> the dobbing voice has a lot of fun on this and is slightly more in tune 
than the originator. That is a classic Eurotrash segment. Speaking of classic Eurotrash, <laughs> we're back in the studio and Jean-Paul and Antoine, they've got a couple of guests. For those of you who don't recognize these two cheeky chappies, their name are Ralph and Chris, better known as the Romeo Cleaners. Say hello, boys. Hello. hello. Good. Now show us your bottoms. I've written in my notes here. We cut back to two creepy looking dudes called Ralph and Chris, better known as the Romeo Cleaners. And they show us their bottoms, just in case we don't remember them by every other aspect of their appearance. Here are their ass cheeks and a quick clip selection to show us who they are. Yeah, so these are lads that you can hire for just £100 uh, to come round and clean your house while they wear thongs and they will cook, they will clean, they will serve you food and if you ask them nicely enough, they'll even hang up your stuff on your Christmas tree. And they are just the weirdest looking dudes. And I've got this little excerpt here from an interview with Antoine. It was one of the ones I was reading in preparation where he says, there were some very weird stories. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. Think of the Romeo cleaners. Can you believe them? German housewives paying these weird-looking guys to come in in a G-string and vacuum their flats. The interviewer asks, Would you ever let the Romeo cleaners clean your house? Of course, they're here now. No, I'm joking. But the thing about Eurotrash is that kind of logic when nothing makes sense, everything is possible, and people are really nuts. And what's wonderful about this is they have brought the Romeo cleaners back here because when they featured them on the show two years ago, people asked them whether or not they were real. But probably because of, you know, the way that Antoine just describes them there. So they bring them here to ask them, are you actually real? <laughs> Mate, it's too early for deepfakes. Yes, they're real. They're like, <laughs> yes, we're real. Weird question. Is it true you can be paid to decorate Christmas trees with bratwurst, sauerkraut and other things hanging out of their little panties? And Antoine's like, yeah, we should just move on before any more balls are hung. And for God's sake, keep smiling. And we then have this uncomfortably long <laughs> silence as all four of them just staring down the barrel of the lens with these goofy smile on their faces. It is peak wonderful Euro trash. Never have I been more sad that we're an audio medium. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
The calendar market is now a £6 billion industry, with sales doubling in the last two years. And in 1996, you'll have to wade through more than ever before. If you're as confused as we are, here's Eurotrash's guide to what's hot and what's not in this year's Battle of the Pinups. No, it is a feature on the calendar market. And I suddenly occurred to me, I was like, oh yeah, I suppose in the 90s, calendars would have been a huge thing. I was a big calendar guy. Every year I got a calendar to go up on my wall. As I went into my teenage years, I was very much into getting a new calendar that year, whoever my favorite model was at that period in time. And as I've gotten older, Ash is just holding up the moment. He's got the Atari 50 calendar. So that's his calendar for 2023. I was even saying to my wife the other day, I need to buy her a calendar. Well, we need to buy ourselves a calendar for 2023 because the kids nursery keeps having all of these events and stuff and we keep forgetting we're supposed to take the kid in something special because we're bad parents i would say your nursery just needs to get a gcal and share it well actually i would like that as well but they send things as word documents with all the dates and stuff on it mate you need to find another nursery these guys are cretins <laughs> but 1996 calendars were a six billion pound industry sales had doubled in the past two years we see the 1996 Stud Muffins of Science calendar. And in 1996, you'll have to wade through ever... Be- F- hell, Luke, a 1996 WWF calendar with the British Bulldog and Lex Luger on the front. It's such a good gag because it talks about like all of the sexy calendars that you've got to buy. You know, it starts off with a Sunday sport one with Lindsay Dawn McKenzie on the front cover. And then it's got, as you mentioned there, the Studs of Science. And then all of a sudden, there's a Mystic Meg one. And the WWF 1996 calendar with the British Bulldog and Lex Luger on the front cover. Such a good joke. And then a calendar called Hairy Chested Cult Men. Yeah, Eurotrash is like, you may be a bit confused by all this. And I'm like, how Mystic Meg and the WWF ended up in a calendar pile with Colt and the Daily Daily Sport? Maybe a little bit. Eurotrash have made a guide as to what's hot and what's not in this year's Battle of the Pinups. The cool thing or the interesting thing about this is that this is now on the the turn of the supermodel. Like the supermodels that had dominated the 80s and early 90s are now on a downward trend in terms of popularity when it comes to calendars. We get this guy, Michael Gross, who was the author of the book, The uh, Model, The Ugly Business of Beautiful Women. It's a very, very good title, by the way. Talking about how, you know, that we are moving away from supermodels and we're now moving towards don't think this is really the correct way to describe it. The silicone era of the mid to late 90s. They talk about how Pam Anderson and Anna Nicole Smith are now becoming the the body types that men are putting up on their walls for calendars. Also, you know, some of the models are getting a little bit, um, by modeling standards, long in the tooth. You know, models are sort of like dogs. They're, they, they only have a short lifespan in terms of their popularity. And I will say, with regards to Michael Gross, no, not... But Gummer Michael Gross, it's a different Michael Gross. As soon as he popped up, I was like, I know exactly who you are. I know exactly who you are. I have read articles by this guy. I've read books by this guy. I haven't read the model book, but because he used to work for New Musical Express, for various different magazines, like he he's done so much like kind of pop culture and zeitgeist and fashion and life of the rich and famous. He's just he's just there. He's just around. You can find his articles all over the place. I'm fairly certain I've read at least three articles by him in Playboy because, of course, you buy Playboy for the articles. And he says some things that are very true, but also, oof. Like he says, supermodels, they're like dogs. They only have a short lifespan. Yeesh. 
he's also accurate for the industry. He's not saying it to be mean. He's talking about how the industry treats them. Well, absolutely, yeah. And even when talking about Pam Anderson and Anna Nicole Smith, like he says Anna Nicole Smith like is a freak show attraction, but then says, you know, she has got a bodacious body and that is what calendars are all about. Thankfully, Luke, we can put that sexist toss behind us because it's hundreds of male calendars about too. Eurotrash visited Connecticut to sneak a peek at next year's Garbage Men of Connecticut calendar. With its mix of overflowing bins and bulging biceps, this is an offer you can't refuse. We see a calendar I would love a copy of, even though it'd be horrendously out of date. I want a copy of the Garbage Men of Connecticut calendar. <laughs> so I found this Associated Press article from 1995 about this, because as far as I can tell, this is the only iteration of this calendar. It unfortunately did not go on, on beyond 1995. But the calendar was the brainchild of graphic designer Deborah Fippinger, who said she got the idea after noticing a muscled blonde garbage man at the end of her driveway. Fippinger and partner Jane Heff advertised across the state for sightly sanitation workers. And nothing trashy, please. Heft said the calendar was designed to be, quote, tasteful, something that anyone could hang in their kitchen. This calendar has really helped me out a lot. It's, it's built up my self-confidence, uh, my self-esteem. It's really given me... Uh, good ego on myself and I, I needed it i really did speaking of things i would quite happily hang in my kitchen because that's where our coat rack is the planet hollywood jacket on mr october mark d Sarone, who says the calendar has helped him a lot it's built his confidence yeah afforded him the confidence to wear a nifty planet hollywood jacket that jacket looks so 90s but also so good oh it looks like a, such a cool jacket it looks comfy as well he must have had an amazing meal at Planet Hollywood that when it was all over, he went to the merchandise store and was like, one jacket, please. I have eaten at Planet Hollywood once and it was in New York and it was summarily okay. I have eaten at one twice in the 90s, in 1997, I want to say. Probably was 97, if not 97, then 98, because Space Jam had been out. Because while we were eating, they played the music video uh, for the Monstars song with a, a, very, a variety of cool raps like Be Real and uh, Method Man are on that track. So yes, I, had, I remember it's only being in, it was either 97 or 98, I went to the Planet Hollywood in London. Must have been 97 because I went to the Warner Brothers store specifically to buy uh, Space Jam merchandise. I mean, I went to Planet Hollywood and I saw the like uh, in the one in New York had one of the proton packs and that was amazing and that was so cool. But if I want to go to like a big gimmick restaurant where I actually have good food, probably go to Hard Rock. I've been to Hard Rock multiple times and it's consistent and at least this, I haven't been there for quite a few years but the last couple of times I went there I was like oh that was a good meal perhaps a little pricey but it's not an everyday thing it's a you know it's a treat it's an occasional thing those aren't the only calendars that we get to take a look at because we also have Steve Kelso who is the US's top gay calendar seller because he's got a massive knob well it's a huge penis it's a huge penis that sets me apart <laughs> Steve's pouting poses and obvious manhood led to enormous fame and his calendars are now an eagerly awaited part of every red-blooded American's year I, I put way he is a quite attractive burly man like he has quite a timeless look to him He's got very nice physique. He's got hair, but not too much hair. And yes, he definitely has something to swing about a bit. You know, you could hang your hat off it if you want to put it that way. And he was an icon of the cult calendar series. Uh, make sure you use an incognito tab if you're going to search his name, because you will see a lot of him. And yeah, he made films, he did calendars, and he appears to still be around on Instagram now. And he's still looking in remarkably good shape, given the time that's passed. 
Well, good for him. The biggest surprise to leave the printing presses this year is a smash hit featuring beastly buttocks, Animal Buns. The Animal Buns calendar is unique in that it offers a behind-the-scenes perspective of animals. A lot of fauna fans don't really pay much attention to beehives. And really, they're colorful, they're symmetrical, they've got interesting patterns. The last calendar, though, is a surprise to Eurotrash, but it's not a surprise to me because there is a member of our team in our office that buys this calendar every year as a joke gift to their friends, which is animal assholes. And we're not talking about a cat that just sits in your shoes all the time. It is all cats. No, these are, <laughs> this is legit just photos of animals buttocks and animals bums it's called animal buns to be a family friendly version of this but it is just close-ups or you know tastefully done shots or as tasteful as you can be of animals showing off their rear ends and this is the brainchild of one george ann irvin from san diego zoo and you can tell this made a lot of money for san diego zoo because she's still there She's a director of publishing and a children's book author in her own right at San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. Rock on. The fact that you had this idea, which was a bit of a giggle and a bit of a way to raise some money, and it's led to a lifelong career and probably a permanent seat on the board and a children's author. Bit of a weird comparison, but yeah. It is, but of all the calendars uh, that were featured on this, uh, I'd imagine the WWF ones and the uh, the bum ones are probably the ones you can definitely get hold of. The animal bum ones are the ones you'll be able to get hold of for your loved ones as we go into 2023. No love for Steve Kelso. Well, unless, of course, he is still making calendars. I don't know. I love the reasoning given as to why, you know, they're, they're making this calendar. And it's basically animal fans just don't look at the arses enough. And it's a shame. Lovely colours and patterns. So following last year's success, because this is the second Animal Butts calendar, the American Association of Zookeepers, amusingly acronymed to ARS, have pulled out all the stops to bring you the best buns of the animal kingdom. And Eurotrash's favourite is Freddy the Frog. Mm. We just had a little brief uh, pause there while we were sorting out some technical issues. I had a quick check. Steve Kelso does not have a calendar for 2023, which means my original presumption that the WWF and Animal Arseholes calendars are the only ones from this you can probably still get. No, you can't, Luke, because the WWF doesn't exist anymore. Nah, you can still buy WWF magazine and all of its calendars that go along with it. All of the panda stuff. <laughs> my friends, I just wanted to take this time to thank all of you out there who sent Jean-Paul and I Christmas gifts, especially little Fiona from Kent for these lovely water wings. I'll think of you every time I wear them, Fiona. But we're back in the studio and Antoine wants to thank all of the viewers that sent him and Jean-Paul gifts. But if you did forget or even refuse to send them gifts, you have still got time to take a good look at yourself in the mirror and think about your actions. They're accepting gifts until the end of January. But if you move it into February, you are out of luck, mate. Although Antoine is a size 40 shirt. He's so good. Like, he's just wonderful. Up next is probably my favourite segment of the show. It's music time as we take a look at some Christmas carols from around Europe, starting back in Barcelona with Foyim Foyam singing a traditional Catalonian carol. Yeah. Where people find everything to do with poo, piss, arseholes, pork swords funny. I mean, it always makes them laugh. And what's more, this song is something traditional from our people. So they talk about how, hey, people love Christmas carols, but poo and piss are really, really funny. 
So and arseholes. Don't forget arseholes and arseholes. So that people really enjoy this new version we've got the lyrics here because if you've heard the clip or you've seen the show then you won't perhaps understand it so i've got the translation here for you so let's all sing along together icy december has frozen my poor dick it shriveled into a little icicle when i went for a pee i could not find my knob my sperm count has gone down what a cold xmas my cock is having my testicles have shrunk to the size of peas what a small cock I've got this Christmas. Icy December has frozen my poor dick. What a small cock. I've got this Christmas. I mean, that's number one written all over it. Hey, there's a lad here who wants it on vinyl. Not all the locals are quite so full of love for this new take on a traditional carol because this is essentially a rewriting of an existing traditional carol about the cold weather of December, making it more about the cock and balls. For me, well, I, I think this is totally out of order. The, these people show no respect for everything Christmas stands for. What a stupid song. There is a guy who basically, I wrote down, looks like a Barcelonian Mr Bean who thinks it's out of order and people are showing no respect for everything Christmas stands for. But, mate, what about the poo, the pee, the arseholes? Did you miss the crappers? Well, I wish it was available to buy on vinyl. I can't imagine anything better. And these lovely lads and lasses sing it so beautifully. And it cuts the other day. I like, well, actually, I wish it was available on vinyl. I'd love to listen to this at home. <laughs> he, was my, he might be my favourite voiceovers from the whole thing. He was really great. Also, ahead of his time as well, vinyl's dead by 1995. 2022, though, he'd been well in there buying some vinyl. Amazingly, this song was available on vinyl under its original release because this group put out uh, three albums, all of which were available on vinyl from, I think, 1989 through to about 1992 was when they were originally published. Um, Yet you can still listen to this song. It's on Spotify. I'd much rather listen to that than what we have next. You may remember the Jingle Cats. They had a number one Christmas hit in America last year with the perfectly harmonious White Christmas. I'm just going to read you my notes verbatim here. You may remember the Jingle Cats. This can f*** right off. They had a single last year of White Christmas and it's f***ing sh**. Rocket the Dog made an appearance, so now he's got his own band, the Jingle Dogs. They bark jingle bells and it's f***ing horrendous. That was a nightmare. So not a fan. I find the sound of dogs barking to be one of the most irritating sounds in the world. It's in a really, I don't know, it gets under my skin and I don't like it. And it, cats also uh, can get in the bin as far as I'm concerned. And I actually prefer cats to dogs. But it, this is just awful shit that I, I, I did not care for. So you're not going to be listening back to this episode when I use Jingle Cats <laughs> and uh, Jingle Dogs as the backing for the entire episode. Yeah, I've, I've lived it once. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I will. Uh, I can survive having not not listened to it back. But mate, they've got an entire album called Meowy Christmas. Could you imagine though? Could you imagine putting this on at Christmas? Oh, it's awful. Jingle Cats and Jingle Dogs, a series of Christmas novelty song albums from producer Mike Spaller. A third was released in 1997 titled Jingle Babies. <laughs> Oh, God, that sounds even worse. And you've got a kid. <laughs> yeah, I know, and her crying is awful. I don't want to hear a kid crying at Christmas songs. But, mate, it's something entirely appropriate to our normal subject, because in 1998, there was a Jingle Cats video game released in Japan. <laughs> That's great. Now, that is cool. 
But the songs are created by Sparla, who mixes actual animal sounds to match tones of the songs. Yeah, we kind of got that. We'd heard it. He started with Jingle Bells, it was released to radio stations a few years before the full album came out, and overall, it took more than a thousand different meows, screeches and growls to assemble 20 melodies. Ugh, awful, awful business. But I'm glad he's made some money. That's always good. There are people that enjoy this, so fair play to you. Meowy Christmas reached 86 on the Billboard chart in its year of release in 93, and the following year, it was placed in the top 10 albums. And then the second album, Here Comes Santa Claus, was released in 1994 with 3,000 brand new meows and new arrangements. It's not my favourite thing on this episode. But mate, do you want to know the cats' names? No. (laughs) There was Sprocket, Twizzler, Binky, Cheesepuff. I mean, come on, a cat called Cheesepuff. It's very cute. Cats are cute and adorable. Clara, Cubal, Gramer, Max and Petunia, with Sparla playing the accordion and additional background music provided by his dog, Clippy Cloppy. (laughs) Some dogs are very cute as well, particularly if they are called Clippy Cloppy. There was a spin-off series starring Jingle Dogs that was called Christmas Unleashed. Get it? It sounds like proper (laughs) Disney Plus type stuff, that. Jingle Dogs and Jingle Cats, they both got videos released. The Jingle Cats also had an album called Rhythm and Muse, which was released in 2002. Uh, Puppy Holidays was in 2008. And in 2009, the album The First Meow L was released on iTunes as well as the official website. That's not even trying. And starred the cats Messifer, Jumper, Alley, and Christmas Tree Face. That, that, that is a thing. Mate, You could. there was even a mail order catalogue. You could get t-shirts, buttons, and stickers. Hallmark Cards signed a four-year contract to sell cards that sang. <laughs> Of course they did. They sold over 125,000 cars in the first three months. All I'm saying is I would much rather listen to the Smurfs Christmas Party uh, than I would anything by the Jingle Cats or the Jingle Dogs. Do you want to know a bit more about the game? I mean, about the game, yeah, that's the thing I am interested in. Yeah, the game was released exclusively in Japan with the title Jingle Cats Ai to Yoa no Niko Monogatari Love Power Daisaikusen no Maki. I'm sure someone's going to tell me I pronounced that wrong. Spoilers, I don't care. But the player is given the task of taking care of the Jingle Cats by interacting with them in various ways, having to fill up a love-o-meter before time runs out. A reviewer noted the object is to breed and care for cats, which begin to sing when they're done copulating. It was not released internationally. And you'd think the the area... I mean, obviously, Japan would probably love this sort of thing as well, but Europe were apparently all over these jingle catches. I thought it would have gotten at least a European release, a targeted European release. Of all the places it would sell, I would have thought Europe would have been the place. I would have actually gone Japan-Europe. Don't bother with America. Nope, America won't get it. Just to end with, the critical response to the music, Ashley Naftuli of the Phoenix New Times would definitely be on your side, Luke, when he said of jingle cats... Don't be fooled by the name. A more accurate title for the project would be The Wretched Mewling of the Damned. Thank you very much. After the break, we dress up with these Eurovision popsters and we get undressed at the biggest orgy in Europe. We found it. The Amber Nectar. Oh, it's a flesh-eating spadefoot. That is the mother of all tufts. Ah, mother's behind you. What do we do, Slake? 
Well, you have to sip it slowly at first, see, to get the flavour. Then you just let it glide down. Ah, the golden throat charmer. Well, he was after my nuts. A Victoria bathroom suite, 200 pounds off. A Bosch orbital sander, tenner off. Wall tiles, 15% off. Do it all white emulsion, 15% off. Pack and stack storage boxes, 50% off. Vince, can you shut up before we all nod off? <laughs> the do it all sale, up to 50% off. Hey, up our kid, it's back and it's had a new paint job. The white room returns to your screens for the party to welcome the new year. Hey, tell you what, it's chock full of top turns. Featuring performances from David Bowie, a live set from Oasis, the legendary Lou Reed, a vintage appearance by Stevie Wonder, and Sheffield's finest, Pulp. So turn the telly up, roll back the carpet, and see in the new year with the White Room. New Year's Eve, 11.15, Channel 4. Never before in the long, glorious history of Eurotrash has anyone else ever presented an introduction on the programme. Actually, nobody else has ever asked to present an introduction on the programme. But if they did, we wouldn't let them. But tonight, we make history as our special guest, the Romeo Cleaners, mount the stage with their little pouches and honour us with an introduction. Take it away, boys. Merci, Jean-Paul, and bonsoir, my British chums. We are the Romeo Cleaners, and here is the next story. We hope you like it. We think it is a good story. Thank you. Well, we're back from the break. Antoine and Jean-Paul have brought out Pee-Pee and Popo, and Antoine says that never before in Eurotrash's long history has anyone ever presented an introduction on the programme. More accurately, no one has ever asked to. Yes, yeah, so they are now letting the Romeo cleaners do it instead. And because the Romeo cleaners aren't wearing any clothes, they have to hold the clip mics up to there so that they can get the audio through. They didn't use a boom mic. They've got to hold on to the clip mics. They could have used a boom mic. I'm sure they had a boom mic, but this is way funnier. And they just basically like, here is the next segment. I hope you like it, because we do. <laughs> They do say, hello, British chums, which I just thought, oh, bless you. This is like watching kids in a nativity, <laughs> except with Lame posing pouches. But there's applause and bowing, and we're off to Montauban in the south of France, where if you're at loose end of a New Year's, you should meet NJ and Sergio, a couple who really know how to have a good time, as they intend to celebrate the dawn of 1996 with a bang. We have an obsession in life, the two of us, which is sex. Sex is our whole life, okay. We stop everything for sex, including work. And then, if there's any time left, we do work. And we do other things. When they're not shagging each other senseless, NJ and Sergio strip off to teach an aerobics class in the small French town of Montebon. Yes, these are swingers. They, and they are hoping to have the biggest swinging party possible for New Year's Eve 1995. And you can get in there for just £130. You can have champagne, all you can drink, and sex, all you can eat. And we talk with Sergio first, full name Sergio Demon, or possibly Demon, but it's spelt Demon, who says they're obsessed with sex. It's their whole life. They stop everything for it, including work. And then if there's time, 
they do work. But Luke, what is work? So I guess their work is they teach aerobics, they released a book on uh, lovers' guides, they star in their own erotic films, and they run the biggest swinging parties in France. So when they are not boning each other, their work is essentially boning each other. And aerobics. And a little bit of aerobics on the side, though I guess they would probably just combine the two together in their personal time. Although they do appear to have nicked the gear off Buff Bagwell and the Patriot because their aerobics gear is very stars and stripes. Yeah, I think they were on the cover of that WWF calendar at the uh, in the previous segments. I thought Lex Luger's perm looked a little off. There are lots of couples who ask for advice, how to express their sexuality, etc. Men usually ask, what's the secret of making a female orgasm? But on December 31st at Club Opera in Paris, they're organising the biggest swingers party in Europe, which, as you said, all you can drink, all you can eat, or rearrange until you're happy with the outcome. Sergio adds this is the biggest type of its event it's never been done before they're going for the world record of a thousand couples the biggest sex event in the world ever 99% certain that's been surpassed by now must have been and we then see various masked couples arriving for advice on orgy etiquette to discuss last minute details for new year's eve including that vital arrangement parking and for those of us coming in cars what kind of parking facilities are there yeah, oh there's private parking yeah private parking and couples will be escorted to the door by bodyguards that's my favorite bit of this segment is just that guy's like oh will there be parking available and it's just like of course yes there will be parking private parking uh, and then you'll be taken up to it and then you get to have an undress rehearsal where you get to show off all of your lovely bottoms and basically have a mini orgy an orgette if you will. Exactly, yeah. It's your pre-dessert before you actually go for your dessert. A palate cleanser. Yes. This is the canopy before your starter. Carnal pay? Yeah, we can go for that. But NJ says that, hey, maybe you just want to watch. That's fine. You can just be a voyeur. And both NJ and Mr. Demon both hope that everyone will be able to fulfill their wildest fantasies. And then there's lots of giggling. Just make sure your hooter is working. But Luke, what if Gallic group sex is not your cup of tea? Eurotrash recommends you spend your new year in Dublin. Hello, Yes, the Eurovision Song Contest fan club kindly gathered to show us what sort of exciting things they'll be getting up to. Life's on time. It's a sort of a, I look back at the Eurovision through the years. Uh, bringing out all our own favourite Eurovisions, a uh, couple of odd uh, people might turn up, and uh, we're just going to have a mad camp evening. This is the most wholesome thing on this episode. This is just a lovely New Year Eurovision party, where the Eurovision fan club get together and watch old episodes of Eurovision, sing their favourite songs, and have a good old crack. As one man describes it, it's a mad camp evening. This is genuinely a New Year's party. I'd be like, sure, let's have a bit of a giggle. But that one man you mentioned, I think was Martin Jones, the fan club president, who is still a Eurovision superfan to this day and actually went viral in 2018 with video of his reaction to Ireland getting the last place in the finals of the 2018 Eurovision. Give it up. We should give it up. The best song in the contest did not get through. We should give it up. It's f- Disgraceful. Oh, there's one more! There's one more! That's one! Oh, there's one more! Oh, Jesus! Oh. Ah! 
absolutely lost his shit. And I'm overjoyed that he has not lost his passion for Eurovision as the years have gone on. I think once it's got a hold of you, it's very hard to, to get out of its grip. Much like the orgies in Paris. My Eurovision watching is quite passing in, in that it very rarely happens. There are some songs that I will check out because some of them are the certified bangers but more often than not the the whole show itself is quite an exhausting experience because it's well long unless you are at a eurovision party in which case you can just leave and go to another room for a bit i'm actually the sort of person that if i'm there for eurovision i'm there for all of it i'm just gonna sit there and watch the lot and have a great time last year's was great because there were a lot of great songs including ours and the fact that we're hosting it next year I wish the winners were able to host it, but obviously global situation means that that will not be possible. It also means now that all of the countries listed in Rotterdam by the Beautiful South have hosted Eurovision. There we go. Finally, finally, that that glaring error has been rectified. We have been waiting for that moment. So shout out to Liverpool. But we see a little bit of this party going on. We see their guest of honour, Dana, who was Eurovision's original 1970 Irish queen, She was still a schoolgirl when she won the 1970 Eurovision Song Contest with all kinds of everything. And it didn't just stay successful for Eurovision. It became a worldwide million seller, launched her music career, and eventually she fell into politics. They say here that like Ireland have won Eurovision more times than any other country. I actually don't know if that record still stands. But they ask a lady, you know, why that is the case. We have the words and... We have the music and the two combined are a lethal combination. So that's where all of the other countries have been going wrong. I mean, that's why we did so poorly in Eurovision for so many years. You know, we just had words and someone farting into a trombone. Or we had music and someone just grunting like a gibbon. Clearly, words and music was where we needed to get it right. It did feel like a real letdown. (laughs) I was just like, come on. (laughs) Do you know what's worse than her saying that? Is the fact that the editors of the show went, eh. Yeah. (laughs) But Dana herself gives us the final hard sell. New Year's Eve Eurovision party, don't miss it. In fairness, despite being confronted by a drag version of herself, she's taken it all in her stride. And maybe it was this experience that led her to her 1997 run in politics, where she ran for Irish president. I've also just had a quick Google. Ireland still are the country with the most Eurovision wins. I mean, they did win a lot. As of 2021. Yeah, I just double-checked. It is Ireland with seven. Sweden just behind, though, with six. While Luxembourg, France, and the Netherlands have five, I believe. And we've probably got two. (laughs) There or thereabouts. That's it for this fabulous fifth series of Eurotrash. We will be back next year, but only if you, our beloved British viewers, want us back. And now the time has come for us to say Happy New Year, bonne année, as we whip out our hot, hard hooters and give the official Eurotrash holiday honk. Wow. So that brings us to the end of the episode and the end of this fifth series, but they will be back next year if we want them, of course. Which leads to more awkward smiling at the camera. And yeah, Jean-Paul and Antoine are back as Smurfs in their adult diapers, although more accurately, they probably just filmed this immediately after the other segment because really, once you've taken that stuff off, you don't want to be putting that back on. The sweat would be unpleasant. The Romeo cleaners don't have to worry about sweat. They have to worry about hypothermia. And they're all there. And now all that's left for them to do is to whip out their hot, hard hooters and give 
the traditional official Eurotrash holiday honk. And it is more listenable than Jingle Cats. Well, that's good because it's also what closes out the episode. Literally 30 seconds of party hooters honking. Not, not in time with each other either. In time would ruin it. Also, one of the Romeo cleaners has some confetti, which they throw badly. This sounds like a bunch of geese in heat. <laughs> My favourite bit of all this is, of course, we get to the end of credits, and normally what happens is you get the logo for the production company, and you get Rapido! Not here. Here, you get... Because, of course... Because, of course, tis the season after all. Yeah, I hope you've all enjoyed this little festive bonus edition of Under Consultation. This is a, a kind of a little preview of what we do uh, over on our Patreon page, which is UCP Extra. We take other shows like this from the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. We do a bit of a deep dive in them, take our Under Consultation format and style and apply it to those shows. But I'm really glad that we got to do this one here in the free feed uh, and celebrate this Christmas period with you all. We hope you have a happy Christmas, a happy holiday, whatever your celebration of choice is. May it be joyous and full of warmth with whomever or however you wish to spend it. So that about does it for this one. Thank you all so much for listening. You all rule. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at underconsolepod, on Instagram at under.console, and you can send us an email to feedback at underconsultation.com. And if you want to interact with us in real time, if you want to drop in on our Discord, and get your hot hard hooters out for a traditional New Year's honking, you can do so by following the details in our show notes. And you can support this podcast monetarily over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod where you will get access to UCP Extra. This month's UCP Extra, in fact, you can go over there right now, is Sonic Christmas Blast, which I am sorry uh, I made us all watch. So you can go over there and listen to that episode right now. Uh, that's available to you when you back us at the Patreon page, along with our monthly community show, Under Console Nation. At the £5 level, you'll get next week's episode one week early and ad-free, which is back into our main Games Master timeline episode 17 to be exact and you can do that at the five pound level but at the 10 pound level you get a little bit extra ash what is that well at the 10 pound level you get our glittery golden joystick wagglers mug which is stuffed with sweeties badges stickers retro trading cards all sorts of good stuff which we drop down your chimney and if you don't have a chimney i smash a hole in your wall and shove it through there and a shout out to those 10 pound backers xanderthal william tom the amazing cliff super sexy david fisher simon selena sean richard reese retro fun for everyone nick misha matty boo mark link kevin jamie ian i am cheadle harriet manga girl gordon dempster gordon brands david wright david palmer chrissy two sticks chris arcadia wild bill andrew adam paul and Andy. Thank you all so much for listening and a merry ruddy Christmas to you all. We will see you in seven days' time. Take care, everyone. Happy New Year. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.